Welcome back to another episode of the Shack Sports Talk Podcast. This is episode number 39 of the Shack Sports Talk Podcast, and we're back here with another episode set for you guys today on this Friday afternoon. It's February 16th. It's the All-Star break in the NBA. We got the three-point contest, slam dunk, and the All-Star game all this weekend. So, you know, there's a gap of just no basketball in the NBA for about a little, you know, like a little bit less than a week, so six days. Next Thursday are the next set of NBA games. Uh, and I think today is a great day to do a two-part podcast series of just the Eastern Conference. In this podcast, we're going to be going over the Eastern Conference, uh, Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York, Philly, Indy, Orlando, all these teams. We're going to be going over them today in, in this part one of the podcast. And then in part two, we're going to break it up into segments. In part two, we're going to be talking about the Western Conference. We're going to be talking about the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Warriors, and all those teams in the Western Conference. We'll do some projecting here and there and, you know, some pros and cons of some of these other teams. So we're going to be just doing a deep dive into the Eastern Conference. And then in the next podcast, we'll be doing a deep dive into the Western Conference. So I don't want to waste any more time. We did change our logo. If you guys haven't seen it already, we did change our logo. We had a new design for our logo. So it's rebranding here at the Shadow Sports Talk podcast. So I don't want to waste any more time. I want to get straight into it. Without further ado, let's get to it. So as I said in the intro earlier, I thought it would be a really good time to uh, do this podcast because we're in the all-star break. There's no games going on, so we can really you know dissect these teams at their current state right now with no games until next Thursday. So I thought it would be a really good time to do this. So let's start at the bottom. The first team I really want to talk about, I haven't talked about them really all season because, you know, they take the regular season lightly and they always go through the motions. But then time the playoffs turn, they turn into the, you know, the 16 Warriors, 17 Warriors, and they're insane. I want to talk about the Miami Heat. Uh, Miami, they're 30-25. and 25. They're the seventh seed. And... At the moment, they're actually doing really well, and yes, they're thirty and twenty-five. Exceed, they're you know below expectations, but in the last five games, they've actually played relatively pretty well. They smacked the Orlando Magic around. They beat up on the Spurs. They lost to the Celtics with no Jimmy Butler on Super Bowl Sunday by four points. They were in the game. They lost by four. Then they came back. They smacked the, the Milwaukee Bucks around. Who the night before? absolutely beat up on the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray didn't play really a ton, but it didn't really matter because when he was in the game, they were still getting killed. So they made a statement in Milwaukee, and then they went into Philadelphia, who just beat Cleveland, and got a win in their place. So Miami closes it out 30-25. and 25. My thing with Miami is, look, I don't really want to judge them right now because you look at you know their current team, Jimmy Butler... At their as current state, he's averaging twenty one points per game, four four, almost five assists. He's dealing with a you know the tragic incident with the family member in his family or member in his family, and he's miss he's getting you know an extended period of uh you know like he's able to go off and he's having extended period of time off where he can you know be with his family and you know I really am praying for Jimmy Butler. Hope the best comes for him, but you know really. When you look at this Miami team, Heroes putting up 21 points. Adebayo's got 20 points. The games where they're winning these games versus Milwaukee and winning the games versus Philadelphia, Duncan Robinson has like five or six threes. Kevin Love's playing really well. And the, the what they need, and yes, Terry Rozier has been hurt. 
But one of the things that they need is Rozier to really take off here. And look, I know he's hurt. He's got a, I think he's got a knee injury, and they said he avoided serious injury, is what Shams reported. Um, but Rozier, he needs to be that guy that was like Gabe Vincent last year in the playoffs, where he was able to produce offensively and defensively. In the game versus the Knicks, he got cooked by Bronson. Got cooked. You know, Butler, you know, they're, they're a three-headed monster. Bam, Butler, and then Tyler Hero chips in here every once in a while. But you look at Miami. Do they turn it around? I don't know. I think they will. I just don't know when that's going to be. So I'm going to hold off my doubt and, you know, my expectations on Miami. When you look around the Eastern Conference, I actually think it's all very well, relatively interesting. Uh, you look at the Western Conference, from seeds one to four, separated by like three games. And then you look at seeds one to four, it's separated by 10. Six, Cleveland is six games out of first place. Milwaukee is eight and a half games out of first place. And then the Knicks are 10 games out of first place. So, Boston, yes, they go off to a hot start, but Cleveland has been one of the hottest teams in the league. One of the hottest teams in the league. Yes, they lost to Philadelphia and they played a close game to Chicago. But when you look at Cleveland, they've been playing really good basketball. And yes, I do have my concerns about them, but I really want to talk about... Let's talk about the Knicks first. And yeah, I'm a Knicks fan, so we'll, we'll get back to all these other teams. But let's talk about the Knicks. The New York Knicks, they're actually playing really well. And I, look, I know they lost that ridiculous game to the Rockets where they came all the way back. Brunson played spectacular in the second half, and they lost. I understand. When they lost the game to Indiana where they didn't have anyone playing, and they lost the game to Dallas. So they ended the All-Star break on a four-game losing streak. And, you know, relatively, that's bad, right? Like, you end on a four-game losing streak, you're like, damn. But Randall... OG and Anobi, Hartenstein, they, they didn't have any of those guys playing this game. So when you play a team like Indiana, who scores 120 points per game, Miles Turner is going to light you up. And that's exactly what Miles Turner did. Miles Turner had 23 points, didn't miss a single shot. He went 9 of 9 from the field and 2 of 2 from 3. Uh, Halliburton had a pretty solid game. Siakam, you know, missing Randall also hurt. So when you run out a lineup of Chua, Gibson, Brunson, Hart, and DiVincenzo, and Gibson is starting, you're not going to win. You're not going to win any game where Tyler Gibson started. No offense. Uh, they played Dallas. Dallas, they actually were very competitive with them until you know, a few plays here and there in the fourth quarter. They just couldn't hang on anymore. DiVincenzo, Dante DiVincenzo has really been the key for the team. He has been incredible. Incredible. They also didn't have Jalen Brunson in that Dallas game. So they're missing guys here and there. Then they don't have DiVincenzo for the Magic game or Bondanovich. So... Brunson has this ridiculous start. Yes, he ends up with 33 points, but it doesn't matter because they don't have the talent, they don't have the team at their current disposal to even compete with any of these teams. So I would say this. To finish February strong, they have to. You play at Philadelphia coming out of the break, and then you get the big game. This is the big game. I pray they have OG or Randall. This is wishful thinking, but I hope they have OG or Randall for that Celtic game. That would be incredible. Because there would be nothing more I would love to see from this Knicks team than go in to Madison Square Garden on a Saturday night primetime game where you got, you know, America watching you in a big, big game. All the celebrities sitting courtside on Saturday night in New York 
and you beat the best team in basketball, which is the Boston Celtics. Because I really think they can with their team, with the depth, and all was considered. I think they can beat this Boston team. I really do. I think they have the team to beat them. Bondanovich, DiVincenzo, Hartenstein, and rest up. We need you for that Saturday game. You can miss the Philly game. I don't really care. That Boston game, you need it. Then you get Detroit. You should beat Detroit. New Orleans, tough game. And then you get the Warriors. The Warriors have been playing some good basketball. We'll talk about them in the next podcast. And then you have uh, Cleveland and a few other teams to close out your schedule. The thing that the Knicks need is just everybody to get back healthy because they're a matchup nightmare for just about anybody. I think the only team they don't match up well with is Milwaukee because they got to guard Giannis. And yes, OG can guard Giannis, but then that leaves Randall on an island against someone else. And then you do the math and you look at the matchups. They don't match up well, Milwaukee. That's the one team, yes, they worked on uh, deploying those assets like Grimes and Barrett and quickly to go get better against those Milwaukee's, the Boston's. I understand. But when you look at them, they don't match up well, Milwaukee. That's just my opinion. They match up Greens, Cleveland. They actually match up very well versus Boston. And I'm going to explain to you why they match up very well versus Boston. In a seven-game series, I think we could sit here. We're recording this on Friday the 16th. I think we could sit here in May, Memorial Day weekend, or a second-round series, which could Game 7 could end around Mother's Day weekend. And we're sitting there saying, holy cow, they are in a Game 7 at TD Garden with a chance to go to the Conference Finals or – they get to the conference finals during game seven with Boston, and you say, oh, my God, they are one game away, Memorial Day weekend, from going to the NBA finals. I think that is a legit possibility. Why? They have the star in Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson cannot be stopped. 27 points per game, six and a half assists per game. He's got, you know, low turnover number, turnover assist ratio, very low. You look at his shooting numbers. They're out of this world. He's shooting 41% from three. 41. A career high. 48% from the field. For the amount of shots he's taking, that's impressive. He's been playing so well for the New York Knicks all season long. And even the game where he played bad, which was the Houston game, this was the first game where I said, wow, he's actually playing pretty bad. He bounced back in the second half, had a fantastic second half, Dylan Brooks woke up the wrong person. They lost on a BS call, which might go to Supreme Court, but they're actually playing pretty good. With the Knicks, it's all about getting healthy. They get healthy, they're in a great spot. Let's talk about Cleveland. Cleveland, I think it might be the most overrated team in basketball. And I'm not even saying that because I'm hating on Cleveland. I like Donovan Mitchell. I think he's a very good, talented player. I hope he comes to the Knicks. I don't know if it fit well with Brunson, but I hope he comes to the Knicks. Cleveland is fraudulent. We just have to we have to, we have to state this because this is very important. And I've heard Bill Simmons talk about this. Are we just going to totally ignore what happened to this Cleveland team in the playoffs? Are we going to ignore it? Because in game one, they got killed. I know they lost by like four, but they got smacked around by that Knicks team. They were dominating the glass. Brunson got whatever shot he wanted. And the Knicks team right now compared to last year's is not as talented. It's just not. The Knicks team right now is so much more talented than it was last year. It's like not even funny. Like you look at Bogdanovich, Burks, you got playoff guys. They can go 10, 11 guys deep with Deuce McBride, who can now stay with Donovan Mitchell and Garland. Tibbs deployed that in game three, but let's get back to that series though. In game two, yes, 
Knicks played bad, and the Cavaliers smoked them. Garland had an insane game. Mitchell was Donovan Mitchell, and Mobley and Allen and Okoro chipped in. And Levert was really who killed us in that game. Levert off the bench was great. So they go 1-1 back to New York. Friday night game, MSG. It's an 8.30 or 9 o'clock start. They get smacked. And they never stood a chance in that game. Never stood a chance. Game four, they got smacked. And yes, it was close in the fourth quarter. But people keep forgetting this. The Knicks had a really bad third quarter. Really bad third quarter. And it's been a problem for this team now for a while now. They've had these bad third quarters every once in a while. This was one of them. They had a bad first quarter. They were up like 12 at halftime. They took the lead within like three minutes. So they're playing, you know, like back and forth basketball. And then the Knicks closed them out and beat them by like seven to 10 points. And then in game five, they just totally quit. They totally quit. So people don't remember that about the Cavs. And people need to start remembering that about the Cavs because I'm sorry. Last time I checked, this Cleveland team hasn't gotten extremely better. The only two additions that they really made where it was like, oh, they they added something. It was Max Strews, who's averaging 12 points per game. Don't get me wrong. And Nian, who's averaging about nine points per game. They're good players off the bench. But here's the problem that they're going to have. They still have this problem. Who's guarding Jalen Brunson? Who's guarding Jalen Brown? Who's guarding Damian Lillard? And yes, Tatum will probably be guarded by Mobley, and Mobley will guard Giannis. But again, who's guarding Dame? Who's guarding Brunson? If they get a 3-6 matchup, who's guarding Halliburton? Okoro? Isaac Okoro was unplayable in that game, or in that series, versus the Knicks last year. People remember remember that? So they played a guy like Karis LeVert. Yes, who gave some offensive spark, but was getting cooked on the other side of the ball. So then J.B. Bickerstaff's like, huh, what do we do here? He was throwing guys in like, uh, who's the guy he kept throwing in? Oh, Chetty uh, Chetty Osmond. That was the guy he kept throwing in. Osmond was going to try to guard Brunson. Didn't stand a chance. They had no answer for Brunson. They're not going to have an answer for Brunson. They're not going to have an answer for Damian Lillard. And now with this Knicks team, if they match up in the playoffs again, Who's guarding Dante DiVincenzo? Because this guy's been red hot, red hot. And look, we play in about a week, a little over like two or three weeks. So we'll see really what the matchup looks like. And I'm not going to overreact to a regular season game. But let's understand something. That's not a good matchup for Cleveland. And the spacing in the playoffs, it all shortens up. So, you know, when Donovan Mitchell and Garland are able to play five-out basketball and they're blown by their man and getting easy shots, that just doesn't happen in the playoffs because the things close down. Everything condenses. Everything gets smaller. That extra pass gets tougher. You know, the rotations defensively are much faster. So when you look at this Cleveland team, yes, Donovan Mitchell is almost about 30 points per game. Darius Garland, ever since come back from injury, playing very well. But again, the key for them, I went through this rant about who, who's going to guard their guards, and I understand that. But the big key for them, the most important thing, this this will make or break Cleveland. They could be a finals contender, or they're going to be the same team they were last year, is Evan Mobley. That's the huge difference for them. Evan Mobley is the make or break for this team. If Mobley develops a three-point shot, and this shot gets going in the playoffs, and he can play on the outside and inside, inside out, they can be in the Eastern Conference Finals and play Boston. But if he doesn't develop an outside shot, they're in trouble. Big trouble. Because 
when Mitchell beats his guy off the ball because let's say his shot's not falling, which is very possible in the playoffs, his shot his jumper's not falling, so he's gonna try to get to the rim. When he gets to the rim, there's gonna be two guys meeting him there: Randall, OG, Robinson, or Hartenstein, whoever. There's gonna be three. There's gonna be two guys there meeting him at the rim: the four and the five, who's playing Mobley and who's playing Allen. There's gonna be four. There's gonna be two guys meeting him at the rim, and then the guy who's chasing Donovan Mitchell. Let's say he gets beat. So. You have this problem where if he goes up for a layup, he's he's got two guys in the, in the area of him. He's going to try to finish over one of those guys or pass it. And that was the problem that they had last year. They didn't really get any good looks at the rim because every time Donovan Mitchell would be his man, the help was already there because they're sitting in the paint waiting for Jared Allen and Mobley because they're not playing outside of the paint. That was the big problem that they had. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. This is one of the teams I've been dying to talk about. I think Milwaukee could beat Cleveland. But one of the problems that they have is they're just not consistent. And they're not really that good. But I do I do say that, saying I do have a little concern with the Knicks matching up with a team like Milwaukee. Because they would struggle to guard Giannis. And maybe, I think they'd be fine guarding Dame. But they would struggle playing in Milwaukee. Because just the matchup, right? Pat Bev guarding Brunson for occasions of that game could just mess with Brunson. I don't know, but I'm I'm th- I'm thinking out the box. Milwaukee they scare me cuz it's like they they show these flashes where wow, they just beat the crap out of Denver. It was like 110 to 95. They they smacked them around since that first quarter. They scored like they 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 were even the first quarter, but they started the game like 15 to 4. And then they kind of, Denver came back and kind of like got even with them. But then in the second and third quarter, it was the exact same thing of what those first four minutes were in the first quarter, where they just smacked them around. And look, the Bucks ran through them. Dame actually had a bad game for his standards, six of fifteen. He's kind of had a down year. He's averaging twenty four points per game, which in hindsight that doesn't sound bad. But when you look at his shooting numbers, they're not really all that impressive. His last great shooting game for me was. Dallas, where he went 10 of 11, 5 of 5. But that was, you know, like a one game where he just had a great shooting night. A lot of these nights, he's been an inefficient shooter. He's shooting 42% from the uh, field, and his three-point shooting numbers aren't really that great either. Like, you look at his numbers now, his three-point shooting numbers, he's shooting about 34% from three, which in other years, you know, last year was 37 and then the two years before that, when we were talking about Dame in the MVP conversation, it was 40 and 39. So some big difference with his shooting splits. He did have a bad shooting year in 21-22, but I think that was because he was just shooting a ton. The year before that, he had th- or before he joined Milwaukee, he had a 37% three-point shot. So like when we talk about Dame, this is, this is the big X factor. It's not Giannis, it's not Malik Beasley, it's not Crowder, it's not Pat Bev. The big X factor is Dame. And can Dame just be efficient when he shoots the basketball? That's really all they need. They lose a game to Memphis, which was a bad loss, and then they turn around and lose a bad game to Miami. And that is the problem. that, that Those three games leading into the All-Star break has been the, the replica of what the full buck season has been so far. Beat an elite team and then have two really bad losses to Miami, and then a Memphis team that is so much inferior than you, it's like not even funny. That's the problem Milwaukee has. And Milwaukee can just figure it out. They're going to be a very good team. But until then, I don't really know. 
Let's talk about Philadelphia. Philadelphia is in a very interesting spot. They went in, they kind of like half bought and then half sold. It was a very weird thing. So they went in and they bought Buddy Heald, but they also got rid of their best defender in Patrick Beverly, in my opinion. He's their best defender. So they got Buddy Heald. Kelly Oubre has been very interesting. Uh, I think he's actually had a very good year for Philadelphia. I know he hasn't played well in the last few games, but he had 24 versus Cleveland. He had 28 versus Atlanta. Like, he's had some good games here and there, and he's averaging 14 points per game. Peep, the Philly fans give him shit for no reason, in my opinion. I actually think he's actually been very good for them. A very good defender. Has been able to be okay shooting the ball, I thought. I know he's only shooting 31, or he's only shooting 32% from, from three, but he's also shooting 46% from the field, which is also pretty solid. He's averaging 14 points per game. He's been, like, their number one guy in terms of, like, guarding wings. So when you see a guy like Tatum, he's the guy who typically matches up with Tatum. Or if you see Randall, he'll probably match up with Randall, and so on and so forth. But with the guards, it was typically De'Anthony Mellon. And Mellon really didn't have a chance guarding Brunson last time they played. But the key for them, really, is, is Joel Embiid going to come back? Because if Embiid comes back and he plays in the playoffs and he's healthy, and he's been this, if he acts like this dominant beast he's been all year, before he got hurt, this team really can make a run. They can. Because Joel Embiid has been that good before he went down with an injury. They said he's out. He's supposed to be out six to eight weeks. That was the report 10 days ago. Six to eight weeks timetable. So he might be back for the playoffs. You don't even know. The whole Joel Embiid thing, no one knows what's going on here. Uh, his last game before the meniscus tear, they got smacked around. Or I wouldn't say SmackDown, but they had a bad loss to Golden State. And there's the whole thing that he got, you know, criticized by fans about the load management stuff. I think it'd be, if he comes back, they're a legit threat. They're a legit threat. But until then, I just, I don't really know their question mark. Indiana, they're good. But again, transition points would be taken away in the playoffs because everyone knows this. In the playoffs, the transition baskets, they just go away. They, they don't exist because everything's half-court basketball, run your sets, stuff like that. Your transition buckets, you don't really get a ton of those in, in, in the playoffs. You don't. You don't really get a bunch of transition opportunities. Like pushing the ball, teams are ready. So I want to do a thing here. I want to rank the Eastern Conference, just one to six, real quick. Just my teams, just straight up. Number one is Boston Celtics. Number two... I think it's New York Knicks. I think they are a matchup nightmare for just about anybody in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they match up really well with Boston. Uh, really well. Physical guys. They can go 10-11 deep. Bondanovich, Burks, Hart. And they just want to beat the shit out of you. And that's the one thing that concerns me about Boston. Yes, they're a very good team. Very well talented. But they don't deal well with that physicality. Bill Simmons knows this. Bill Simmons has said it too. I'm not the only person who said it. Boston, it's been a problem for years. Golden State got physical with them. They went away. Miami got physical with them. They went away. Yes, they came back, and they forced game seven, but they lost. They didn't win. Um, the teams that have gotten very physical with them, they've shied away, and that's been one of their biggest problems. And the other big problem that they have ever since Ime Odoka left, uh, their coaching's not great. Missoula's not a great coach. So when you face a team like the Knicks, you just want to pound you, they want to get. They want to, you know, make the game physical. Physicality levels high. They want to be up in your face. 
it can be it can get tough for Boston in a series like this. It really can. Uh so I have New York at two. Then I got Cleveland at three. I think Cleveland's the third best team. They're good, don't get me wrong. And then Milwaukee's four. It's so tough rating Milwaukee right now because I've said that they're gonna make improvements. They did. They got Papev, Galinari, so they've made some improvements. But at their current juncture, I think they're the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. And five, I think, is Philadelphia. Six is Indiana. Seven is the Heat. And then eight is Orlando. Those are the top eight teams I have in the Eastern Conference. Uh, one thing I would like to do before we close this here is I actually want to hand out my UFC predictions. So I haven't done this. Um, strictly NBA podcast, which was what we were planning on doing. But I just want to give out UFC predictions because. Saturday night is a huge fight. Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Ilya Deporia. Deporia, he might be the new Conor McGregor. He might come in here and he might just knock out Alexander Volkanovsky, who's been running this division for about two or three years. He's been running featherweight for about three years now, just about roughly. Um, he won the belt in 2019, and he's been dominant. 2020, he was dominant. 21, he was dominant. 22, 23. And now he's in 24, where he just... Got head kicked in the face by Islam Makachev, and nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, this is, people are saying, his closest challenger. Uh, this is one of the best guys he's faced. People thought that about Yair Rodriguez, and he made quick work of Rodriguez. Taporia, I think, is a very talented. He's got lightning in his hands. The big thing that you have to question here, really, is not anything to do with Taporia. The question is with Volk. How does he recover from this head kick he took? He got knocked out cold. Knocked out cold in this fight um, versus Islam Bakachev. He lost to Islam twice. So he's on a he, – he had the Yair fight in between. But he's like on a little bit of a losing streak for his standards. Now you get to Poria, who is a killer in this division. Killer. And it's going to be very interesting seeing, you know – does Deporia just go all in the first, like, three rounds? Because one thing's like, the comparison to McGregor is, like, he was three rounds good, and then the fourth and fifth, he would deteriorate, and if that fight got to the fourth, fifth round, he was done. And that's what happened to the Khabib fight. He got dragged out into deep waters, and he drowned. Khabib drowned him. When you look at Deporia, he's got lightning in his hands, and I actually think he's going to land that punch. I do. I love Alexander Volkanovsky, but... This is a bad matchup here for Volk. This is a buy low spot for Volk here, I will say. The smart pick is Volk. Volk is minus 130. This never happens. I don't think you can find a featherweight fight where he was minus 130 or this low of an underdog. He's minus 125, whatever. Alexander Volkanovsky, there's great value here. You're getting him as a short underdog. I would take Volk. But my prediction is, I think Ilya Deporia is going to knock him out here. I really do. And I don't know if it's going to be a violent knockout. Here's the thing. Deporia's only path of winning here is winning by knockout or submission. If this goes to a decision, he is not winning. Unless he just totally dominates him for five rounds. Which, we've never seen that happen really to happen to Volk. I think Deporia is finishing him in the third round. I like Ilya Deporia in Anaheim, to raise the featherweight belt. That's my prediction. Um, you can, you know, do whatever you want here. I'm just going to talk about this because we haven't talked to UFC in a while. You look at this now, Taporia. I think Taporia's going to upset him. I really do. You, you can make your bet. I don't really care. 
My prediction is Alexander Volkanovsky is going down. I think Ilya Deporia knocks him out in the third round. And I think you have a new featherweight champ and a potential new face of the UFC. That's my prediction. Okay. That will do it for this episode of this Jack Sports Talk podcast. Just wanted to get my prediction in there about Volk uh, Teporia, UFC 298 in Anaheim, California. You can buy that on ESPN Plus, whatever, so not so forth. I don't really care. That's my prediction for UFC 298. Other predictions are uh, Ian Gary to win by knockout, Robert Whitaker to win, uh, Marab to win by decision. And I'm really looking forward to it because you got. Three really good cards, 298, 299, featured by O'Malley and Cheeto Vera. And then, rumor has it, we might be getting the UFC 300 main event lined up after the post-fight press conference or during the post-fight press conference during UFC 298. Then you got UFC 300. So, you got some really good fights coming up. Yeah, we'll talk more UFC when we approach UFC 300. That'll do it for uh, this part of the Shag Sports Talk podcast. This is part one. Part two should be getting posted in just about a little bit. So that'll do it for today's episode of the Shag Sports Talk Podcast. Shag Sports Talk Podcast is out.